Okay. My name is Tim. I won't tell you my last name. None of us will ever tell you our last name. Except for Jenna. If I tell you my last name, the Yerks could find me. Yerks probably aren't real. I'm reading a book that was written for middle schoolers. Welcome to Minds at Yerk. I'm Tim. My name is Alex. I'm Megan. Hey, everybody. Hi. How's everybody doing? Hi. I fell pretty hard today, so I'm in a lot of pain. Oh. Oh. I'm good. There's no joke there. I'm <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm in a lot of pain. It's all good. How are you doing, Tim? Uh, I'm okay. I was the one that got a nap today, so I should be the one to yeah, you should make it through. The... Tim, the well-rested host. Yes. All right, so... You know what I miss? I miss those Tim building questions. Uh, those are good, good conversation you, starters. You, you think so? You didn't think they were played out? Not at all. I am putting you no. on blast. Yeah. All right, all right. You got some for us? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do Tim building questions then. Okay. Okay, Alex. Yes? If you were a holiday, how would people celebrate <laughs> you? Potatoes. <laughs> Not where I was going. Potatoes. <laughs> Yep, lots of potatoes. Mashed potatoes, julienned potatoes, scalloped potatoes, baked potatoes, french fried potatoes, potato chips, latkes. It was all a setup for him to, this was just his way of backing me into a potato joke. I hate to break it to you, we are looking at a potato shortage in 2020. Is that for real? Yeah, that's not a joke. Actually, I think the headline was fry a shortage. Oh, well, that's the American version of the story, right? Yes. I have to go. Uh, <laughs> the version that made me go, how do I steal all the internet news so that my friend Ariel doesn't find out? Okay, so I have to come up with a Tim building question for Megan now. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate I you're mean, giving me just... one that I could answer with potatoes, <laughs> though. How about this? If you had a holiday theme song, a holiday, a, a, a Meg's Day carol. Oh, that's good. That's <laughs> what would it be? <sighs> Something Broadway. So it's going to be Santa Fe, right? Like, that's the inevitable end point oh, yeah. of this. Yeah, let's be honest. And I'm that done. That one has my heart. And I'm gone. No more running, no more crying. Is Santa Fe like a Santa Claus? Yes. No, it's from Newsies. Oh. We could make Santa Fe the, like, patron deity of Meg's Day, though. I think we should. I mean, it makes sense. I'm always running, and I haven't gone out west yet. Okay. Also, Jeremy Jordan's very attractive. <laughs> So it is Jeremy Jordan Santa Fe. Oh, that is a good question. The rest of the episode is just designing Meg's day lore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's going to ha- have to be the one to get, uh, greet me off the train. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of Santa Fe coming to you, you have to go to Santa Fe yes. at a train yeah. station. Every song, every song is about leaving New York City to go to Santa Fe. Okay. Sunny Santa Fe would be nice. So nice. so in order to celebrate. We'll open up a restaurant. Celebrate. Meg's day, everybody has to go west some point of distance. Or eat Santa or, Fe yeah, food. Yeah, that works too. Yeah. I like this. So w- when is Meg's day going to be? Not? Yeah, in not February. in February. <laughs> we, don't, we don't enjoy February. I mean, if you want to make it what? the furthest point possible from February, then it's got to be in August. We could yes. do August. 
August sounds <laughs> wonderful. August doesn't have a holiday. It is now <laughs> Meg's Day. Put it on your calendars. Is there a particular day in August? The 18th. Okay. August 18th is Meg's Day. You have heard it here first. This is officially how I will celebrate my half birthday from now on. Meg's Day. I enjoy that. We'll pack up all our bags and go so far away. Just vote ourselves to projects that'll sell. Tumbleweeds. <laughs> Prairie dogs. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we read an Animorphs book. I think this means, though, that Jesse Martin and Jeremy Jordan have to be the twin patron saints of Meg's Day. I am a thousand percent okay with okay that. cool sorry tim you were uh, saying yes. something about an animorphs book <laughs> yes. that's not what this episode's about but if you want to go there i guess yeah yeah, yeah. we'll in- we'll entertain your tangent while, while we're here we may as well just talk about it for a minute before we get back to meg's day how dare you usurp control of this episode <laughs> so we read <laughs> book number 32 called the separation which i will now summarize for you rachel goes on a field trip to the beach she loses an earring in the water. She acquires and morphs a starfish to get it back. Some kid chops her in two. She gets on the bus to go back. She's supposed to fly with Tobias after school. She goes to the mall instead, only she doesn't. She goes flying with Tobias and eats a fish, only she doesn't. At the mall, she runs away from and nearly murders a bully. She goes to the barn, and she goes to the barn. There's two Rachels, nice and mean. The Yerks are developing an anti-morphing ray. The gang is going to stop them. Jake decides... The Rachels are out and have to go home. They do, but Mean Rachel leaves to go anyway. Nice Rachel is going to call her dad. Mean Rachel tries to eat a cat. Mean Rachel (laughs) steals a car and screws up the Animorphs' plan. Then tries to kill Marco and take over the Animorphs. So Mean Rachel has some good ideas. (laughs) The the Yerks are moving the anti-morphing ray in one of three trucks. Nice Rachel goes to see her dad at the airport. She's going to tell him about the Yerks when Mean Rachel shows up. She stops Nice Rachel from talking to her dad. Then everyone goes to the barn. Nice Rachel has to go on a mission, and Mean Rachel is left unconscious. Mean Rachel wakes up and goes anyway. Jake and Nice Rachel are caught by Visser 3. Mean Rachel starts stacking hork bodies. Visser 3 traps her in a shrinking room. The two Rachels work together to escape. They learn they need each other. Axe and Eric help them morph back together. And I'm, I'm going to say I, I really enjoyed this book. So at what point did you piece together the twist? Well, I guess you knew that yeah. they were splitting. We actually walked you to that one last episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was one of the few times that I've actually gotten there after being given the direct what happened. The direct line to <laughs> Yes, yeah. yeah. I must say, though, I was pleasantly surprised to see that my habit of making references to things that the book references to try to get Tim to understand what's going to happen continues because Marco did make a double mint gum He joke. absolutely did. <laughs> yes. I, I thought did. of that exactly. To be fair, we were in like the time period of the double mint. Yeah, that's true. So what did what did you guys think of the book? I enjoyed it. I, I, I did not enjoy Oh, it. well, let's touch on that one for a little while. Why did you not enjoy it, Meg? <laughs> Tim is delighted. No, I, 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 you cannot no. see the look on his face. He just lit up. I'm, I'm delighted and also curious because I, I, I know you had made a comment earlier uh, through chat, uh, but I didn't, I didn't dive into it then because I wanted to save it for the podcast. But I'm curious why you did not enjoy this book. Oh, first of all, um, did you mention who the ghostwriter? I did this? not assume there was a ghostwriter writer because in the beginning it said for Michael and Jake. Yeah, there is none. There was a okay. trick. Question. Oh, okay. Ah, so I was right. <laughs> okay. I'd, I'd rather hear why you guys like it and then tell you all the reasons why. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I, I will go first. Sure. 
I think we get a lot of relatively one-dimensional Rachel. Um, or at least we are left with a one-dimensional impression of Rachel, especially out of other characters' books. And I think as a device to explore some of the conflict and some of the the maybe even contradictions that help Rachel be a whole human that is more than just the sum of its parts the idea of splitting her into these two very conflicting sides is an interesting way to do that and to show what either side of her would be without the moderation or moderating influence of the other side uh so like in that way like i think it is the best way to get that without getting an uncharacteristically wishy-washy rachel uh i also think it's if this is the fourth book in a row whose uh, mission is to push its narrator character to the most extreme places possible, I think it lets us see Rachel in some more extreme places than would be possible otherwise, That while still giving us a little room to kind of walk that back. Yeah. And her not end up with like so much blood on her hands that she is irredeemable. I agree with all of that. But I also think I like the story on sort of, I, I don't want to make it sound bad, but we'll say a, a little bit more of a superficial level. Um, it's sort of equates to the to the way that like time, you know, conflicts are, are sort of stories that I enjoy. The idea of splitting a person into two halves and showing the 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 weaknesses that the individual halves have, even though they may not like that about themselves individually, but when you separate the two parts without the other parts of the person, you get somebody that's not as strong. It's just kind of a funner story to me. Well, and how those weaknesses or perceived weaknesses may end up being strengths. Sure. What we see in quote-unquote nice Rachel as indecisiveness and anxiety end up being, well, no, she's the one who thinks ahead, and without some of the other more rash qualities to temper that, Yes. You know, we get a fearful Rachel, but it's still the strategist Rachel. It's still the Rachel who can see moves ahead. It's still the Rachel who uh, isn't just charging in willy-nilly. Also, as I, I found myself relating to Nice Rachel a lot when <laughs> Nice Rachel was talking about how these are things that I've done before, but for some reason they're still causing me problems. Yep. I, I kind of, as someone who like, I think I've said before on the show, like, high school me, I did not really, in retrospect, do not really care much for. But there were times I could get shit done. And it's only been in the last couple of years that I've sort of managed to tap back into that and also still kind of temper it with being a person I can actually like. Yeah. It's the most relatable, personally, I've ever found, Rachel. I, You know what? I, I, I kind so, of agree with that in that I would say... There are things that I really like about Rachel, but there are those are qualities that I would not say that I represent. And so, yes, the nice Rachel portion of it was something that I could I could definitely relate to. Now, Meg, tear us apart. <laughs> so, I will say this: I don't think that this plot would have worked with any other character. Rachel even kind of acknowledges that, right? Yeah, you'd yeah. get you'd get Tobias as he already is. Yeah, you would get Tobias as he is. Um, Marco might might be able to fall into it. I think he'd have more of a the class clown versus um, cold calculating. Um, but I don't think it would have been as entertaining. I also think the two halves of Marco would have liked each other. And it would have been yeah, like the end of Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it in the book. 
uh, when, when Rachel touches on it. And actually the one who I think would be the most interesting other than Rachel is Cassie. Because I would also like to see Ack. Yeah. I kind of don't know but I think it's what just... I would get with two axes split. Exactly. Yeah. We, we don't. And I think that would be worth seeing. But yeah, the perception of Cassie, especially here, as like having a little bitty bit of a rotten core surrounded by that's not cassie no i i think i think you split cassie you get like what we sort of see what what becomes the debate around cassie the is she too moralizing versus the the like mean cassie would be morally superior cassie it would be i am better than you i believe that it would be the the like super trendy does whatever gwyneth paltrow tells her to Cassie. I don't know. I feel like there would be a definite um, lawfully good and um, I'm just going through not neutral, chaotic, and maybe like a chaotic neutral. Oh, see, I think it'd be like very lawful good, very lawful evil. Uh, I don't know that I agree maybe, with that. Yeah. You think there's a lawful evil portion to Cassie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, to Cassie? I don't know. I think the part of Cassie that is very good at telling you incisively what will cut a person the hardest at, and at the same time, like, that air of... She's a mean girl. She would be a mean girl. Yeah, oh, she's definitely got it in her. Huh. I think I'd like to read that book now. Yeah. What I don't like about this book is that this kind of implies that Rachel Sands Animorphs was a valley girl who liked to shop, and that's it. And, like, yeah, of course she could plan ahead and everything, and she had a sense of duty, and that's cool. But that wasn't the Rachel we knew prior to Animorphs. Rachel has always been strong. And yes, that you can account the gymnastic side towards that. But she's being girly is not being wussy. And that bothers me about this book is that the qualities of, hey, I want to wear a lot more dresses equates to I'm terrified of everything. Yeah, I think there are definitely there is definitely some very gendered coding happening here. Mm-hmm. I, I don't disagree with that. I will say, though. I don't think for me that this necessarily means the the one true Rachel prior to this or without this would have been uh I think she'd be more if anything more Elle Woods and less uh what's the main character in Clueless? Book 1 um Alicia Silverstone Cher Cher Horowitz. Um I will give you she is more Elle than she is Cher, but there is no point ever that Rachel has said like prior to this book. She has never been a valley girl. No, that's true. That is something that's deeply hidden into her. That's bullshit. She's always been the like kind of popular girl that you're like, you have this effortless ease that I don't know how to emulate. That's that's fair. And 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 yes, that does come from a combination of having this confidence that the reckless side has, but I, it's not suppressing the likes when the likes are so big in the 90s. Yeah, I think... That just drove me nuts. I think it's interesting that that's... I definitely bumped into that. And again, I think 20 years later, absolutely, the coding in this seems much, much more problematic and dated. You say that, but I do remember as a teen also, or kid or whatever, also being really annoyed. You know what's interesting? Sure. Like... First of all, have y'all ever noticed how many times I say like on this podcast? Oh, I say like all the time. I'm pretty sure that Meg thinks I'm a Viola girl. I'm also um, not certain that she's wrong. No, there's a new term for you, what? isn't there? My, my mother taught me this new term that Mackenzie taught her. The Visco thing? 
It's also yeah, yeah. Oh, you're a Visco yep. girl. I I took the I have we all taken yes. the Visco girl quiz? What did you get, Tim? No, uh, I, I got a uh, no, no, no. I didn't qualify. I took a quiz that had are you a Visco girl or three other type personalities, uh-huh. and I got that I don't qualify as any one of the four. Oh, yeah. So um, the one I took was Visco girl, e girl, or soft girl, and I definitely got Visco girl. Oh, that's the one that I took. That's what it was. Yeah, and I got did not qualify. This co- now I'm going to think about it every time that I say like. There's nothing wrong with saying like. It is a common part of our vernacular. And it no longer codes people as unintelligent. People just still have a problem with it because it was primarily a female thing. I want to say two things, but Tim, you go first. Okay. You had something you wanted to say. The gender coding, as in a lot of times when I sit down with you all, I hear it now, like after having read it. Yes, it's definitely there. I did not pick it up while I was reading it. but I did, So I don't necessarily, I never looked down on nice Rachel, so I never, I never got it as that way. But... It is absolutely correct that nice Rachel, after listening, does not seem to accurately, like, it seems to be, like, written wrong, if that makes sense. Both sides are written wrong, in my opinion, because, I mean, I agree. So we're hitting a turning point where Rachel is becoming more and more reckless. Like, Rachel is going to do stupid things. Rachel doesn't always have that filter that goes, we gotta stop and plan. But that being said, when at any fucking time has Rachel made it clear that she wants to be the leader of this group? Or you must follow me into battle, kind of. Like, she's not that well, person. Well, okay, but it, wouldn't it be fair to say that there are things about us that are managed by other things about us? Once you remove some of the things, some of the things that might be holding us back from wanting certain things, wouldn't it be possible that we'd want other things? Like, if you split us in half? I don't think so, because there have been opportunities for Rachel to lead. And I think at the end of the day, if Jake had died, like... What was it? Megamorph 3 where Rachel became in charge? I don't think she ever wanted it. Well, I don't I don't think she did then, and I don't think a fully integrated Rachel does. I think the rash part of Rachel who can't see past her nose does. Because really, the objection is not to anything Jake does except to say you must sit out because you are not an asset. Right. The the two things I wanted to throw out there. One is Again, I don't I don't necessarily agree with this as the strategy because I do think it is problematic, but the way I read the choice of writing nice Rachel in a kind of valley girl voice, they acknowledge repeatedly enough that it's clear that they want you to know that she is up talking, not just throwing out likes, like she is Oh, yeah. I think that is intentionally using what is considered a very for lack of any better word, ditzy trope to discount nice Rachel as not having anything as being indecisive and afraid because we get more and more of the value of nice Rachel as the book goes on. I think that's part of a strategy. I think that strategy is flawed, but I think it's part of a strategy. The other thing that pops into mind is, and I think it was Kelly Sudakonic I saw tweeting about this, um, but the role of filler words specifically filler words that are associated with stereotyped female speech patterns serve a linguistic function which is when you need to collect your thoughts taking up the 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 verbal space so some dude can't jump in and cut you off um that's something that she gets or has gotten uh dudes on the internet chiding her for she's like look if I don't do this, then people cut me off and I don't get to finish a thought ever. So, Oh, I've been there. 
I probably often on this podcast. Yeah. Um, I love you both so much, but yeah. well, and internet and lag don't help, but you're right. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it is, I think the choice to go that route is dated and problematic, but like I get the narrative build around it, I guess. I understand the intent. Yeah. I understand why we did Rachel because Rachel is at a press. It, it is at a specific point where like her personality is going to change. Yeah. And she's going to become more and more reckless. I hated it then. There's a reason I stopped reading from, uh, most of the 30s after this. Um, I still hate it now. And I think the whole aspect of the boy craziness. Um, I did not hate that necessarily as a kid because I am 31 and still boy crazy. But <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not that's not something we've really ever seen in Rachel either. It, like it's not like because she has to buy she no longer looks at other people. And it's not even like she had a crush on Tobias before. There was never any other mention of any other dudes. It wasn't like, you know, Rachel's attractive. She could have had whoever she wanted. So now to suddenly be split and be like, oh, Marco's kind of cute. And oh, the cheese kind of cute. And we're not mentioning the other ones. But <laughs> it's it's just a bizarre and and boiled down way of breaking down a female character, in my opinion. Are you are when you say we're not mentioning the other ones? Are you talking about how she thinks Jake is hot? We're not mentioning any of the other I just, ones, Tim. <laughs> just don't. Um, Rachel's such a complex character and was such an important character to me growing up that it just still offends me that this is you know what she breaks down to. Do you think there's a version of this idea of splitting her that works better than this one for you? I honestly don't know. That's fair. And then, and there's honestly a chance that it could have been done nowadays and maybe would be better. Um, and there's a chance that if it had been Cassie, you might be the one going, no, this is wrong. Sure. You know? And then there's Tim who's just like, hey, this is all great. Yeah, uh, kind of. Like, I hate, like, I'm like in this period of self-reflection, <laughs> like, what does this say about me? Well, it says yeah. nothing about you other than you're reading these for the first time and not looking at characters that have, you know, I moved from uh, to uh, while reading Animorphs. And for a long time, that was the like line I had the, between the two that kept me kind of grounded. And so these books mean a lot <laughs> to me, but you reading them for the first time in your thirties, not expecting you to, you know, get offended. Plus Tim, you and I do not have the experience of, living through the the perceptions of others that do categorize that's and more what i was getting yeah. at yeah. was i don't know i just there's a way of reading these things and a lot of that goes over my head just because i haven't i don't have any experience to draw from from it become a lit major <laughs> get all the experiences you need <laughs> i would last 30 seconds the the thing that stood out most to me in this book is when mean rachel uh confronts the bully after nice rachel has gone away and mean rachel somehow pins her shirt to a desk with a bread knife and i honestly have been trying to work through the physics of that ever since i read it well tim here's your lucky day we're gonna let you get a bread <laughs> <Yeah>. knife <laughs> and destroy one of your t-shirts <laughs> now what are you picturing when you picture a bread knife tim the uh I don't think it was a bread knife. The long serrated one with the dull edge. The like very scalloped serrations? Yes, yes, yes. Now, the the ones I have used... Okay. While you're talking about the dull, basically the dull tip? Yes. That tip in the ones I have used does hook down to a very sharp point. Like a like an eagle beak? 
I mean, not that far. Like, it still comes, like, to that scallop on the end with the rest of the serration. But the ones I've used do often have a a sharp point on them. Because if you're dealing with, like, a really crusty sourdough or something, you gotta gotta pry that baby open before you saw through it. That sounds like you're arguing with, like, just this hateful person. Just dealing with the crusty sourdough. Crusty sourdough was my nickname in middle school. I do not doubt this. What'd you think of Visser 3 in this book? Pointless. I mean, let's be honest, Tim, if you can't get predictions for the next book from this own this book in and of itself, I will actually be a bit concerned about you, but yeah. Now this is, bear in this mind. This is a Yerk win. We also made very clear last episode that the events of one book never feed directly into another. I have, <laughs> well. I have never <laughs> felt pressure like I did just then when she said that. Like steam expanding in a crusty sourdough, Tim is under pressure. So the A plot line of this book is two rings. Yes. The B plot line is the anti-morphine ray Which just did not get enough play, in my opinion. You don't think so? No. Were you expecting them to, like, get two Rachels in one place and then shoot them with the anti-morphine ray? I really did. And that magically recombine them? Yes. Hey, Tim, guess what? What? Me too. Yeah, the whole time. <laughs> I just thought that was how this was going to work. The other thing I could not help but think of during this book, I might have last week while I was working on things rewatched the entirety of Darkwing Duck on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> and there is an episode where uh, Megavolt creates a ray gun that separates positrons from negatrons and does in fact make good and evil versions of Darkwing Duck that split basically along the exact same personality <laughs> traits that Rachel split in this episode. I'm not saying, and I guarantee you as a kid, that is what this book made me think of too. I guarantee you, K.A. Applegate and Michael Grant saw that episode before <laughs> writing this book. There is no way this is not a thinly veiled Darkwing Duck homage. <laughs> oh, uh, we can't do a Chapman this time, can we? I mean, we can. He won't have any screen time. I was trying to figure out a Darkwing Duck correlation there, but I don't know. The- Chapman and Darkwing Duck would be Herb Muddlefoot. I, you know what? I was actually thinking um, Jason Alexander, but that's only because I got Duck Van and Darkwing Duck confused. Those are two different things, they as are. is Count Duckula, the time-traveling vegetarian vampire duck. I remember him being a vegetarian. I don't remember anything else about Count Duckula. His castle traveled in time and space. So he's a time lord. Yes, that is what I'm saying. Welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> Count Duckula is, in fact, a time lord. What, did Count Duckula have his own show, or was he on a different show? He had his own show, but he originated, I think, in Danger Mouse. He was out of the same studio at the very least. So back to Visor 3. <laughs> I this is a this is a Yerk win. I mean, they didn't get the anti-morphine ray gun. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't get Visor 3. This is a you know, it, they were too focused on mm-hmm. Rachel. So yeah. yeah it's a Yerk yeah. win. It's not good, no. guys. It's not a good book. <laughs> I, I will agree that it it was definitely a Yerk win though. Hey, how dumb is Visor 3? to soundproof his death trap (laughs) can we talk about this they design a death trap that works that the rachel's demorphin but because he can't see through it and has soundproofed it he still has no clue my dude not only was that extra work for you but it 
really, really weakens your hand in terms of any kind of intel you can gain. I don't feel like he is a... Which is weird. Okay, so we had, what, Hork Bajor Chronicles with Mr. Mm-hmm. 3, where, like, he's not an idiot. He was all about data. And now it's, like, a completely different dude. Yeah, like, he's, he's this sort of, like... He's good at systems. He's good at big, like, number sets, but also, like, how societies work and how people change. And, like, he's super insightful and all these sort of watching the moving nope, parts kind of Nope, I just want to is. squish the Andalites. Squish the Andalites. That's all uh, I So, to I'm reading this, and they say the ceiling starts coming down. And I was like, oh, man, the room's going to get smaller. It's going to get crushed. And then they said the back wall was moving in, too. And I was like, no, no, that doesn't. No, stop it. And then they explained it away by saying they got the technology. No, they don't. They don't have a technology that makes a wall move in while the ceiling moves in. Actually, Tim. That doesn't happen. Have you not seen Star Wars? That's one Star wall. Wars is, yeah. Also, Tim, there is technology. It is built on the same concept as the bowels of a capybara. I don't understand how the bowels of a capybara works then. So capybara bowels, I know that we've talked about this on this very podcast, and you just weren't paying attention. Probably. Have more or less, they are first off a square profile rather than round. Uh Uh-huh. I am explaining this with hand gestures, which listeners at home (laughs) sadly will not get. But they're more square, and they have more give on the sides than in the corners. So that shape holds, but they expand and contract. Essentially, you have elastic walls on fixed corners. All right. Fair. But if you had elastic walls and an elastic ceiling, you wouldn't have a crushed person. You do if you have the technology. Right. You, they don't have to be soft to be elastic. <laughs> he uses PIM particles, Tim. <laughs> he, no. offsets, he offsets the extra wall and ceiling matter into zero space. This is about kids that turn into fucking beavers. <laughs> what do you want? Thank so, you. All right. So those things that get said, and they might possibly be true, but your brain just immediately steps to, nuh It is, they don't have to be soft to be elastic. This very well could be an accurate statement, but my brain is immediately like, nuh trying to find some hole in your, your argument. I'm sorry, are you, wait, you're, uh, you're thinking that something to be elastic has to be soft? Well, that's what my brain's thinking. Okay, do you understand that tall buildings have to be more elastic at the top to bend with the winds, or that they will fall? But they're not elastic in the size of a room. Well, that's because you're thinking with traditional physics. I know, (laughs) I know, and I have to stop doing that. You have to start thinking with portals to zero space. (laughs) That's not where I thought you were going. (laughs) That's where the wall was going. And Tim, I'm not even angry. Somebody's going to, like, in the Discord, they're going to show me, like, 15 articles about hard, elastic things, which, actually, I don't like the sound. I mean, I'm not kidding. Shout out to Ian. This is yeah, my... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Um, but that's, like, how skyscrapers stay yeah, up. Yeah, I get that. I, uh, okay. It's another... Have you experienced? Have you been up in one on a breezy day? Like, it's kind of scary. Tim, here is what we need to do. Yes. Going into, basically, the last year of Minds at Yerk. What we need to do is start a letter writing campaign to Roman Mars to do an episode of 99% Invisible explaining elasticity physics okay. to you. All right. Okay. There's probably a podcast episode there, there probably is. about it. I just want to get Roman Mars talking about anamorphs. That's fair. <laughs>
That's fair. 99% Invisor Bull. Ah, uh, nice. <laughs> I mean, I could probably call Ryan and get him to do it. Ryan also has a great voice. Now, Tim, while we were on a tangent, I do want to say, as follow-up to something you said on the last episode, Cinnamon Coke is very good, especially oh with Aztec chocolate bitters and whiskey. That's what we were saying, like, as a as a mixer. As a mixer, yeah. fine. Otherwise, it tastes like someone went, here's some cinnamon on plates. Pour that Coke over it. And that's what it tastes like. I like it straight, too. But <laughs> yeah. I especially like it with whiskey and Aztec chocolate bitters. Okay. I'm, 10 out of 10 would recommend. I will admit I'm, that sounds I'm coming good. over next week and we're trying this. Also, I, I couldn't you say the same thing about cherry Coke, Meg? That somebody just put some like fake cherry flavoring on a plate and poured nope. some Coke over it and then you got cherry Coke? Cherry Coke is a national <laughs> treasure, as is cherry vanilla Coke. You can shut up. <laughs> Look, I'm going to give my hot take. <laughs> orange Coke was also good. Uh, you know what? I don't like that. Uh, I know that it could be said that it tasted like lemon pledge, but I used to be a fan of lemon diet Coke. Though it's been said <laughs> many you... times, many ways, lemon pledge <laughs> is lemon diet Coke. I actually really liked lemon diet Coke, too. Um, I can't drink it. I'm allergic to aspartame. You were going to be like... I drank that lemon pledge. The, li- the least natural <laughs> tasting beverage I've ever had in my life, but I enjoyed it. So you've never had Tab. Yeah. Oh, okay. The second least. <laughs> this is a good point. Tang? I grew up in the 80s. I've had Tab. My favorite sight gag on The Good Place was when they were drinking Tab in the neutral place. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, yeah. Hey, how about Eric the Chi in this book? Yeah, he has like a a moment, doesn't he? He has a couple of moments. My favorite of which is, I don't know why I spend so much time with you people. (laughs) (laughs) Take it from me, the super, super ancient dog bot. You guys are fucked up. Uh, Yeah, he has like that really somber moment also when he's sort of jealous of Rachel. Yeah. For getting split apart. Meanwhile, mean Rachel is thirsty for him. Yeah. I mean, like, I will give this. Both Rachels get very thirsty. Hello, my name is Clay Johnson. And my name's Joshua Herndon. Unless, of course, you are Disney lawyers, in which case... I'm Scrag Rag. And my name is Dirt Jones. All right. And we would like to invite you to our podcast, Dudes Do Disney! That's right, but we are not your normal Disney podcast. Oh, no. We are not afraid to ask the tough questions. Mm -hmm. Like, in Snow White. Where the hell's the rest of the kingdom? Is Gaston a competitive eater? He can down five dozen eggs. And in Dumbo, why are all the animals wearing hats? Ooh, that's a good one. I know. Mind blown. That's why I asked. Mm Mm-hmm. Boom. Bam. We will tell jokes. We will sing songs. We will play games. We will generally just have a great time with each other, our friends, and you, our listeners. all-around Disney shenanigans. Well, Josh... You have just finished recording a promo for a Disney podcast. What are you going to do next? I'm going to go to the gym and try to get rid of my bingo wings. Thirsty Rachel. There's part of Thirsty Rachel that's just kind of delightful to me, though. Just because of what each version of Rachel, like, (laughs) finds appealing. Yeah. Power. Power and power and more power versus, like, he looks smoochable. (laughs) I would like to smooch him. I would like to smooch Tobias too, but only when human. Because smooching a beak is not fun. I know, because I remember doing it. Also, maybe Jake, if he weren't my cousin. But Tobias with lips. I really 
hate that you guys are working this in. And also, that her dad <laughs> had that moment of panic. <laughs> I wasn't going to point that one out. But yes, even her, her dad, poor dad. she just hooked up with Jake. Actually, being Rachel's dad seems like quite the handful. Well, you know, it's hard having twins. Yeah. He... Considering he runs away from her and is never around, I don't think he has to worry about it much. My favorite moment of the book is, I would know if she's on drug. I'm actually here. Yeah. Yeah. I fist pumped that. Followed second second with uh, the sister, her sister's line about trying to keep track with her going crazy or something like that. You got a problem with that? Mean Rachel yelled. No, came the muffled response. I just like to keep track of your level of insanity. <laughs> It's a valid. It's valid. Yeah. I feel like Caitlin probably said something about something like that about me at one point. If not Caitlin, my stepdad for sure. What do you think about a grizzly bear driving a Mercedes? I mean, this continues on this trend that we've been talking about of just not even giving a fuck about being covert anymore. Yeah. No. It's still better because at least it's in the dark of night with minimal witnesses and you're staying in morph. It's still better than morphing in a fucking elevator. Yeah. Next to your mom, Visser One. Yeah. I mean, she also morphed into a starfish and, you know. Yeah, at, at, basically yeah. at school. Not at school, on a field trip. Which is basically at school. Like, your class is there. No, no. Sure. Well, the teachers shout about echinoderm. Do you know how many times I read that and just could not get my brain to pronounce it right? Echinoderm? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to guess That's seven. That's okay. If you... Yeah, at least. If you do the Google Books read aloud... Um, daddy becomes deity quite a bit. <laughs> and then you're just like, huh, this gets a little bit darker on all sorts of edges. <laughs> so here are some fun features of echinoderms in case you are, in fact, a middle school student who should be studying for your <laughs> final. They are radially symmetrical and regenerate. They include starfish and sea cucumbers. That's it? They have mouths. That's the only two? They have mouths in the middle and butts in the middle. Oh, I just meant those are the only two creatures uh there are a handful of others that i think are in those two main families but those are the two like main families of it in uh dc comics primary universe starro the conqueror which is modeled on a starfish instead of one has five anuses one at the end of each leg is there a benefit to having that many um I'm going to guess minimal constipation. Mm, that's fair. Why would you have five anuses in one stomach? Ask Scott Snyder. So you can eat a lot. Or chunt the bat, chunt the, chunt the shapeshifter. I knew it was gonna, I, I was waiting for that one. That was where I, I thought you were gonna go instead of Sorrow. See, I, I figured the pause was you waiting for <laughs> me to reference chunt. So that means it's something sexual then, right? I feel like chunt always made things sexual. I, he couldn't help it. He's just drawn that way. Tim, right the ship. <laughs> I'm the least appropriate person for that. <laughs> That's yeah. why it's fun. That's why the U episodes are always the most <laughs> wild ones. All right. So we've got hork murder in this one. Yes. That's nothing new. Yeah. But no human death. <laughs> oh, that's true. The human death counter didn't go up in this one. Yeah. Rachel is very attracted to Tobias in hork Yeah. Yeah. Mean Rachel likes chitinous protuberances. Which tracks. Mean Rachel has a lot of adrenaline she's got to use. That's all. <laughs> That's all. Oh, thank you, Brain. I did not need that. Oh, no. <laughs> you did, though. You think if these books had been written, you know, in a slightly more recent time, 
There would be like Hork-Bajir shaped sex toys. Oh yeah. Because there are Star Wars sex toys and there are Avengers sex toys. Surely there would be like, here's a Hork-Bajir dick. Here's a Taxon dick. Here's an Andalite dick. I'm sure if you search enough on the internet, you will find. Challenge accepted. Nope. 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 Tim would like the Taxon one, please. Mm-mm. I'm. I'm <laughs> he is now no longer looking at us. Yep. <laughs> I was happy when the cat didn't get eaten. Just trying to swing away from this, and I'm not going to be able to pull Alex out of this one. <clears throat> what cat? The the when she's in the morph with Tobias. No, no, no. On the way to uh, what the mission or whatever, and she sees the cat that's about to eat the mouse or whatever, and she swoops down to try and eat the cat. But the mouse tips are off. I just find it funny that, like, to get off the topic yeah. of sex uh-huh. objects, you went with cat eating. But you know, see, and if I stayed so- stayed long, quiet, lo- stayed quiet long enough, <laughs> one of you two would say so. You know what? I mean, I I was going to, but I just wanted to see how far he would dig. I even thought about phrasing it in my summary a certain kind of way, and then I didn't. I said, "No, no, we're better than that." And then she stole my joke that I didn't use. That'll teach me. So. I cannot find Hork Bashir dildos on the internet. Well, thank God for that. I did find where Neil Gaiman shared on Tumblr somebody rating ant emojis across various platforms. Just to give you an idea of how far, far away the internet has stayed from this particular concept. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I know we have not released any merch yet, <laughs> but clearly there is a uh, an opening in the market. There is a vacuum to be filled. Um, cause like, poor fucking Tobias. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. It's a weird, weird thing. But I like his moment where he's like, Rachel's the only kind of person who could love me. That was very sad. We all love Tobias. We're not all in love with Tobias. Well, no. And it takes an amount of reckless abandonment and loyalty to... Buck cultural norms like, don't fucking, (laughs) don't fuck a hawk. Yeah. It did say a lot, the last line in the book, though. What was that, Tim? I've got it, if you want. Yeah, let's go, Rachel, he said. The two of you and the two of me. Let's go. Mm. Say I'm a bird and another bird. (laughs) I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Think about it every night and day. Spread my wings and fly away. I believe I can soar. Do you know how many boys in, like, seventh grade probably did try to, like, romance someone with that? With songs from the (laughs) soundtrack to Space Jam? Oh, yeah. I feel like the average seventh grade boy is more likely to start with, yo, if you want to slam, if you're going to slam, welcome to the jam. Because that is the amount of subtlety of. There was also a boys to men song during that time. It was definitely my couple song in seventh grade. And now I'm totally blanking on what it was. End of the road? No. Another turning point. A fork stuck in the road. I'm trying to think of any other uh, boys to men songs. Um, I had an interesting conversation with my friend Rob, who is a middle school teacher. Do they still uh, play boys to men at middle school dances? You know, I will ask him. Hey, Rob, when you're listening to this, let me know. Do they still play boys to men at uh, middle school dances? Probably not. Well, hang on. I feel like we had 80s themed dance nights. Oh, definitely. definitely. And it's, you know, that would have been 20 years before us. If you go 20 years before kids now, it would be 90s themed. So um, we were talking about how uh, it's occasionally hard to forget or hard to remember that they're like 12 to 13, 11 to 12, mm-hmm. you know, 
and looking at these kids that are around you. I don't know how often you guys are around kids that are 11 to 12 and being like, no, mate, not going to happen. Bold doom. <laughs> I have mostly kids that are 20 to 25 around me. And you still go, no, no mate. I say that when I look in the mirror every morning. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, I've said that whenever I've looked at my reflection for my entire life. So maybe the context is different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just a fun thought of hey any uh 11 to 12 year olds in your life that you're like yeah you i would trust you i don't think i know any 11 or 12 year olds right now i do one yeah just one yeah i can't think of a one now when i was 11 and 12 totally you couldn't fucking convince me i was going to save the world um i like the fact that rachel when she's scared runs to her dad i think it's an interesting dynamic considering that he's not there yeah I mean, it is one of two occasions in which her solution to solving all her problems is, I could just tell them who we are. Of course, the second time it's Visser 3. Yeah, that was a weird one. And then Jake playing dead. That one was very, very, very Jake. Like quintessential Jake. Yeah, Jake plays dead a lot. Sometimes your most useful skill set is just staying still and quiet and doing nothing because you're dumb. Jake. I feel like you're talking to some people on this episode, and I don't know who. Jake. <laughs> Just Jake. Also Scott Summers. Alright, I'm ready for Animal Alright, so let's say hypothetically you are a Russian dairy farmer. Okay. And you you want to increase your cow's milk yield. How might you go about doing that? Uh, feed more? I, I guess? Now I will throw this out there. There are no answers that are any dumber than what actual Russian dairy farmers have done. Okay. So swing Scare for them. the dumb fences. <laughs> Scare them. Blow air horn. Yeah, that's no? a good one. Um, exercise them? I don't know how you exercise Now when you them. say exercise them, do you mean put them <laughs> on cow treadmills? Or do you mean like hire a medium or a priest uh, okay. to no, drive out the demons? I had meant the first one and I had actually thought about leashes. And walking them around the neighborhood. <laughs> You're so much more polite. <laughs> yeah, you observe leash laws with your cattle. You probably even pick up their poop afterward. It's a big bag that you gotta like fold inside out. But yeah. I'd sit there and tell them the entire plots of whatever TV show I was watching. So Supernatural. All 15 seasons, baby. I feel like you're getting closer. Think of a technological <laughs> solution here. I mean, I like the idea of exercising them as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, so if it's, if it's technological, yeah. then it's got to be Peloton, right? Oh. Getting closer. <laughs> oh, okay. That poor woman in the Peloton commercial. I just hope she's... I, I hadn't had a chance to watch the commercial yet. There is a tweet going around with a parody video about a woman over oh, the course of a so year. Great. You've seen it? Oh, I haven't seen it. Yes. Yeah, over the course of the year being like, I am divorcing you because you are a douche. <laughs> yes. It's 6 a.m. And I'm being quiet because my husband is still asleep, even though he bought me a fucking exercise bike. <laughs> the fact that the Peloton is $3,000 and then an additional 500 every year is ridiculous. Yeah, but it has Hamilton-themed playlists. Don't give a shit. So does Spotify. This podcast not brought to you by... <laughs> no. Okay, uh, yeah. Where were we? Peloton? Right, that was our last suggestion? I'm going to give each of you one more swing at this one. Think appropriately dystopian. Okay, VR. Technological. Got it! <laughs> it's the cattle matrix. Oh, what do they put little headsets on them and make them think they're in a field? This is a BBC News article 
from November twenty nine November twenty seventh, twenty nineteen. Headline: Russian cows get VR headsets to quote reduce anxiety. A Russian farm has given its dairy cows virtual reality headsets in a bid to reduce their anxiety. The herd donned VR systems adapted for the. Now I like the use of the word donned there because it presents this very Gary Larson image of cows picking up and strapping on their own headsets. The herd donned VR systems adapted for the, quote, structural features of cow heads, and were shown a unique summer field simulation program. Moscow's Ministry of Agriculture and Food cited research where they say, uh, which they say has shown a link between a cow's emotional experience and its milk yield. Initial tests reportedly boosted the overall emotional mood of the herd. According to a statement from the ministry, the experiments took place at Rosmoloko Farms in Moscow's Rominsky district. Examples of dairy farms from different countries show that in a calm atmosphere, the quantity and sometimes quality of milk increases markedly, it read. Researchers will examine the effects of the program in a long-term study. The developers reportedly hope to expand the project if positive results continue. This is how you get the Matrix. So their plan is to put really Uh expensive technological equipment on a cow to make it think it's outside. When we could just let them outside. Well, in Russia. Yeah, I was going to say. I don't know that maybe (laughs) this is a good point. The, The other point here is... Even if you show them a sunny, warm pasture, it's still fucking cold. Yeah. Yeah, like, you've got to get into those synapses. Also, you started talking about that, and all I thought was, hmm, did I put on glasses at any point during a therapy session, and this is why I no longer go to therapy? Like, did, am I on VR goggles this whole time? <laughs> did you notice that Meg changed her glasses My while anxiety. we were talking about it? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's because I stopped knitting, but yes. <laughs> you have you have found us out. This has been the entire time the podcast companion to the Truman <laughs> Show. Oh no. Oh no, that's so sad. I would never want anybody to watch my life. I'm so boring <laughs> and pathetic. <laughs> Thanks. No, you're not. Okay, so how do we monetize that? Um Okay. We... You're gonna have to get milked. Hey, I've got milk. Just guess saying you're gonna have to get milk. Just ask Aaron Burr. That one was a deep cut. How do we monetize this? Step one, we learn to write video games. Step two, we make adapters for PlayStation Move controllers to attach PlayStation Moves to the cow's legs. Back up. Step one is not we learn how to. Step one is we morph into someone who knows how to. (laughs) Hold on. You said we have to get milked. Now I can't get past that. (laughs) Because... Yeah, you gotta get milked. You gotta yeah. get test something. Oh, I did not hear get milked. I heard get milked. Oh, no, get milked. No, get milked. And I'm wondering, is how that... Else? How does the calf feel about getting milked? Um, I mean, it's a part of nature. It's part of life. They're going to leak if they don't get milked. It's similar to a mother who is feeding a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, is it like enjoyable? Is it painful? Is it... Well, Tim, there's one way yeah. to find out. Man, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I will say this, don't let Veronica Mars try to milk you. She's very bad at it. <laughs> I think it depends on your udder and uh, what you're using. I don't know if it's, yeah, <laughs> I'm not having this conversation. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had an episode this strange. Probably since yeah. the last time Tim hosted and edited. 
Yeah. That was when we got into masturbating over cornflakes, right? Oh man, I think it was. Probably. Okay. But see, now we're like way more subtle and we're approaching it from like the metaphor aspect of it. I'm, I'm, I'm Are pro- we? Because we've, we've talked about hork I don't know. You like flat out were talking about <laughs> eating cats. So who knows? Hey. I'm pretty sure you were talking about that. Hey. No, no, no. I was just pointing out that you were talking about eating cats. Oh. Are you going to get a spray bottle? I'm not going <laughs> to. I don't know the way you're going. Hey, hey. No. Just, just sh- like, shoot the camera. <laughs> What I was going to say is that you are you are really stepping on Gordon Shumway's territory. Ah, the, you know, Alf. the ever popular Alf reference. An entire sitcom about someone trying to eat a cat. Whichever one of you pissed off Google Home. Hold on, you say one thing about Alf, and all of a sudden Google Home goes off. Google Home is a big fucking fan yes. of Alf, and don't you forget. Apparently, it. Google Homes were imported from Melmac. Yes. On there, they're known as Alflexa. <laughs> I also did mean to turn off the mic before recording, but it's okay. Um, I feel like cow video game development is how yeah, we get rich off of go. this one. We'll have to morph into cow. This is where I was <laughs> going. Uh, we'll have to morph into cows to QA. Okay. So you're going creator, not test something. Both. That's what we do with uh, the morphing yeah. technology. Okay. Also. Then you're both getting milked. I will help create this. Cow's eyes are on the sides of their head. So how does that work with a VR headset? These have to be like custom rigs for cows. Well, no shit. Someone out there is manufacturing cow VR. (laughs) The world is doomed. It's dying. We're doing what we can to keep it going. This is late stage capitalism. Cow VR is late stage capitalism. This shit only- Is it or is it that we're running out of cows and cow's milk and we need it and so thus we are expanding? I actually don't know why I'm arguing this. It's fine. Caviar used to be just for rich people. Caviar is gross. That's all I could hear every time he said cow VR. Yes, well, we line them all up in one row. Row is the term for fish eggs, including caviar. Is this- That's a bit of a I- reach, No, I didn't. I I'll be honest, That's didn't okay. know that till right now. Yeah, R-O-E, row. Gotcha. Yeah. I order a lot of sushi. All right, so my prediction for the next book. Holy shit, we we didn't have to drag him to it. He did it voluntarily. Because he feels he's got it this time. It's a Tobias book. You are already wrong. Oh, I was like, holy crap, how did I screw that up? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was like, crap. Okay, all right, one point for Meg. Okay, Uh, it's a Tobias book. Okay, I feel like that the anti-morphing ray is not going to come up in this book, okay? I don't feel like we're done with the anti-morphing ray, but I don't think it's going to come up in this book, at least not as a main plot point. They may mention it. Now, Tim, I will say this too. When you are ready, the like one sentence tagline for this one is excellent. And once you've made a preliminary guess, I will feed it to you. All right. My thought was that somehow Tobias gets separated from the group and ends up in some kind of computer program type world like a cow vr type situation that was what i thought the illusion was so your prediction tim is tobias goes into the matrix basically yes all right would you like the one sentence teaser or do you have more no no no, no. let's uh... also mag would you like to heckle tim first oh, all the heckling <laughs> all the heckling right. here is the one sentence teaser and you can refine your prediction based on this Tobias and Dax are about to become a lot closer. Dot, dot, dot. What, do they get unracheled? <laughs> they get the reverse Rachel? Yeah, they get Rachel? The, the reverse Rachel. I guess that's a better way to phrase it. Uh, now, 
It's not stuck on you, the movie, no. <laughs> the freakiest Friday. Okay, so they switch places. That was not a... a, a, a oh, a okay. <laughs> I got that one, Alex. There was a hint this episode. Okay. but no, I am, however, Googling what your inner space came out. Because we know about oh. Tobias's vor pr- or Axe's vor predilection. Wait, they already did the one where... Oh, no, 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 they didn't do that, did they? So, but it's an illusion. Well, okay, I don't see how the illusion is going to end up with Tobias inside of Axe. <laughs> well, Tim, when a hawk daddy and an Andalite mommy love each other very much. When a hawk <laughs> loves his uncle. Okay, well, all right, well, whether Tobias ends up... Say it nope, again, Tim, nope. say it again. Uh, I, somehow, well, Tobias somehow Tobias... Tobias I, I, I think my earlier prediction stands that somehow Tobias is going to be tricked that he's somewhere that he's not. No, see, I'm not going to let this go because I feel like you said the same similar bullshit about the separation. Rachel's going to end up somewhere yeah. where she, everybody no, else is I pretty not. much no, said the exact same bullshit, like, but it was, it was kind of different. Like, I think so, this is an actual, like... No, 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 vetoed, uh-uh. Somehow... Just go with inner space. Go with Tobias being inside of no. Axe. Or Tim, if you prefer. I'm going to... Vice versa. I'm gonna, see, Vice Versa is another reference to them switching places. Maybe. Vice Versa was a Kirk Cameron movie <laughs> that I loved as a kid. Um, and it was exactly the same thing as Freaky Friday. Maybe Axe goes inside of Tobias through the cloaca. <laughs> a new record has been set, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh my goodness cloaca um yes uh matrix tobias he's somehow hooked up to a computer in a computer program you know what's great you know what's fucking great is that like the bullshit animal fact you're taking more yes to be part of your prediction than like anything yeah. else we actually gave you because in this to be fair at least he's learned that we usually try to feed him okay something. but here's the thing if if he goes <laughs> Fine, in there Okay, one of them goes into the other one uh, in some kind of small spaceship <laughs> or takes over the other one. What's what's the illusion of it is what I'm trying to work out. Do you know there is another way that they can go into one another? Like Ratatouille. Do you want to talk about how they can go into each other, Meg? <laughs> yeah, sure. You may do it in a non-sexual way. It's very easy. They can fucking morph into each other. Okay. Just like the two Rachels did at the end of this book. So, like, great. You have like an hour and 59 minute long book of them just hanging out as each other. Who are they tricking? Like, why would you need to be axed to trick anybody? Now, hold on. What is axe? He's an Andalite. And in under what circumstance might someone want to morph into an because Andalite to trick someone trying to else? convince Mr. Three that you're all Andalites. Or maybe that something doesn't work. Or both. These are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they're both part of the answer. What thing might they need to convince Visser 3 does not work? The anti-morphing gun. Uh, okay. Yes. And what is Tobias? A hawk? An anamorph? What are we going for there? Starts with an N. Oh, anothlet. So if you used an anti-morphing ray uh, on Tobias as a hawk after watching him morph from Andalite into hawk. Gotcha. Okay, that's the illusion. The, nope, I would have gotten that way. Like, I never would have landed on that. When the Anamorphs hear about the new anti-morph technology the Yerks are developing, they decide to stop the Yerk scientists in their tracks. Tobias will offer himself up to Visser 3 as a voluntary test subject. Voluntary is in quotes there, which is weird. 
But the Animorph's plan has one catch. Tobias must acquire an Andalite Morph. And the only decent Andalite in town is Axe. Interesting. <sighs> Next book's rough. See, I, I, well, I don't, I don't know how it could be rough yet, I guess. Like, that's, I, I, yeah, 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 I like That's fine. No, no, no. I'm not no, going to no, tell no, you but how. I'm like, just, I, the moment that I saw I'm, something in, in when I was looking and I went, oh, we've hit that point. I'm super jazzed about reading okay. it, though. Because it, it does sound like a fun story. Like, well, not a fun story. Uh, You know what I mean? A, a creative story. Put it that way. A story? I look forward to book 34, The Prestige. <laughs> also a good movie. You know what else is a good movie? Five Old Goes West. Five Old Goes West. That's exactly what I was going to say. How weird would it be if it were? <laughs> I would have totally just freaked you, your uh, Yes. I wouldn't have been able to talk. <laughs> I can't. Don't leave me hanging, Tim. What else is a oh, good movie? Oh, Inception. Because we were talking about Christopher Nolan. Ah. Uh. Uh, oh, before since you mentioned Christopher Nolan movies, I did get a quick uh, memento vibe off of nice Rachel having to leave herself notes to remember what she's doing. <laughs> this is true. Yes. This is true. All right. We'd like to thank Christina Red Spinks for our show art. If you're interested in getting some cool art, email c.spinks.animator at gmail.com or visit Chaos Does Art on Instagram. People search meets at Minds at York on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to send us questions, comments, or love letters, you can email us at mindsetyerk at gmail.com. Website is mindsetyerk.com. You know how to spell yerk by now. If you love us and want to help us out... I don't. I don't. How do you spell yerk? I, you... No, no, uh, no. It's, I, it's, I, it's, it's Y-E-E-R-K. Thanks for not letting me get through that one. If you like us and want to help us out, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Available on Apple Podcasts. Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. Let us know if we aren't on your podcatcher of choice. Kenny Plugs? Plugs. Uh, oh, uh, later this week, I will be appearing on an episode of my friend Clay's podcast, Dudes Do Disney, to talk about Ratatouille. Uh, oh, fun. Which is basically like Animorphs, if Yerks were rats and were really good at cooking. <laughs> Very nice. And I am on everybody's other favorite podcast for a recent episode, Judging Book Covers, in which we talk about contact. I was also recently on Judging Book Covers, so there. <laughs> yes, everybody should be listening to Judging Book Covers, because Meg and Stephanie are the best, and we had a ton of fun talking about it. Yeah, if you think this episode <laughs> had trouble staying on track, imagine a book we did not like at all. Yeah. Oh, it was fun. Uh <laughs> And you mean the one where we wrote our own version from the Timverse? <laughs> I loved that story. <laughs> I will be on Media Evil, uh, a medieval pod pop culture uh, podcast talking about the night before Christmas uh, with friend of the show, Sarah. Can I tell you that Media Evil is a fantastic podcast name? It is great. Um, Sarah is has her PhD in uh, medieval um, I, I know what kind, but I'm totally blanking on what kind. And she basically, I mean, the best thing is that she let me have my unicorn rant. Oh, about the secret unicorn my, room? It's not a secret room. <laughs> the room exists. Secret doesn't mean fictional. <laughs> it's not secret. Just go to the cloister. She knows about it, so I guess it's not that big of a secret. No, my rant is the fact that unicorns fucking existed. They went they were, went extinct, and everybody acts like they're mythical creatures. No. Do you know how many fucking tapestries there are from the the 1300s? There's so many fucking tapestries. Anyways, she lets me have this rant and feel validated and not laugh at me like you are currently. You know what else she probably has her PhD in? What? 
naming podcasts. Now, Tim, you say that, like, Minds at Yerk is a bad name. It is not, but Media Evil, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm a little, I'm a little jealous of that one. So, yeah, we're all busy this December. There was a red-tailed hawk scoping out Lin-Manuel Miranda today, and I appreciate <laughs> Tobias keeping him safe from the Yerks. You know what's funny? There was another one around my building, too. I don't know if Lin's back in New Lin's York Lin's back or in not. New York. Maybe we saw then we saw the same bird. Maybe he's watching out for both of you. Maybe Lynn's working on an Animorphs musical. Maybe something's going to happen in the city. All right. Somebody say when. When. Her proboscis shriveled away, clearing Marco to breathe. Yeah. We talked on the show about my inability to to do bomb chicka wawa music that it always comes out. No, it is so it's so much <laughs> better. Chicken, I think cow. so too. It makes me so that's a much happier. Good thing because that anytime I'm having Sanford and Son, just know that's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> Alex's sex tape is. It really is. <laughs> Oh, so good. All right. I have been Tim. My name has been Alex. I'm Megan. I'm sorry. (laughs) Past past tense. We're doing a past tense thing. I'm just sorry. (laughs) And until then, we fight. We fight? Thank you, Alex.